Hi, welcome to Save Our Soil audio blog. Tonight in the audio blog I thought I might give you a bit of a history about how we got started in biodynamics and a little bit how, on how it works. So stay tuned. G'day, this is Mark Rathbone from Save Our Soil. Tonight um, I thought I might give you a bit of history on how we became with or involved with biodynamics. In the past two recordings I've told you a little about what we do here and um, the purpose of my making this audio blog. But tonight I thought what we might do is just delve into a little bit of history as to why we became involved with biodynamics in the first place and a little bit about how it works. I may have mentioned in the past recordings that my father started dairy farming in biodynamics in about 1965 when I was about two years old and prior to that he was a conventional dairy farmer and sheep farmer and he also did a bit of orchard when he was younger so he started conventional farming in the 50s and 60s and what I mean by conventional farming is really using chemicals to add to the soil to make things grow. For example, he used to use water-soluble fertilizers like superphosphate, nitrogen, potash, which is your NPK, all the things that normal farmers use. And he used to use some sort of pesticides on his orchard when he was just a teenager, which was in the DDT times, which is quite a dangerous chemical. After using these products on his soil for a number of years, he started to have problems with the soil getting so hard that the water wouldn't go in. And I don't know if you've ever tried growing things in a brick, but it becomes very difficult. The root systems become shallow in the pasture, which the cows used to eat. And once the water ran past the shallow root systems and the fertiliser, he would have to reapply the water and sometimes the fertiliser as well. But after going biodynamic, uh, we were able to increase the depth of our soil, our root systems went down further, and we didn't have to apply fertiliser at all because the plants were getting to the natural fertility of the soil. The main problem we experienced firsthand was our irrigation water wouldn't get it go into the soil. So 
we used to water pasture so that water from our area comes from Lake Yildon, which is in the hills, and comes through a series of rivers and channels to our property. And then we would flood irrigate the pasture to grow the grass because it's an irrigated area. We don't have much rainfall here. And he would flood irrigate the pasture. It would run over the top because it was so hard and go down to the end of the row or the bay and just sit there for about two or three days and go stinking horrible. And then at the end of the bay, the actual grass would die. So we had a lot of trouble getting water to penetrate. But after using biodynamics for a number of years, the water would go straight in, the grass grew straight away, and we changed our watering patterns. Eventually we were doing it every seven days, but after biodynamics, we were doing it once every 30 days. And the great thing too is the water would go straight in, it wouldn't sit around at the end of the bay for a number of days. We also experienced some problems with our cow health. Um, the cows would calve every year, of course, and then we would milk the, get the milk out. And um, we used to have to help one in every five cows with their calving which over 250 cows was about 50 problems a year. And we would have the vet visit about 10 times a year and we could lose up to about 10 cows a year through complications with the calving process. After a few years of biodynamic agriculture, we only had one in 25 calving problems, which is only 10 times a year, over 250 cows. And the vet would only visit about twice a year which was really good plus I didn't have to get it out of bed so often and help dad with extracting a calf from a cow we only lost about two cows a year instead of ten which at $1,500 each it's only about $3,000 we also experienced things like bloat now bloat is when the cows eat too much clover in the pasture so when we used water-soluble fertilizer like superphosphate, the cows would eat a heap of pasture, gas would build up in their stomach, and it wouldn't be able to escape quick enough, and the cows would actually blow up and rupture their stomachs, almost literally. And we used to lose 10 or 15 cows a year. I remember times where we would go out to get the cows in the morning and there'd be two or three dead ones lying in the paddock. And at one or two thousand dollars each, it wasn't. A, it was a pretty expensive night. After a few months of using biodynamic preparations, our cow bloat problems went away or diminished a little bit. And after a couple of years, it went away completely. So we had some early indications uh, that biodynamics was working. One of the first things my father did was. He experimented with half a farm, he sprayed 500, which I'll explain later on, onto the pasture. And then the other half of the farm, he just uh, put on normal fertilizers. Now, after a few weeks, the cows would eat all the grass on the biodynamic side of the farm, right down to the ground. And dad thought that was pretty good. And then he would put them back onto the longer grass, which had been fertilized 
with phosphate. And the cows would walk in there and walk out again back to the short biodynamic grass and thought, that's strange. So he would um, close the gate, put a bit of a rope on it and put the cows back in the long grass and they would come back to the paddock in the middle of the farm and almost knock it down, and they did sometimes, to get back at the short sweet grass. So this was enough for my father at that time to think, well, there's something in this and I'm not too quite sure what, but if the cows notice a difference, then there must be. So I might just explain what biodynamics is to give you a bit of an idea. And I want to stress that there's lots of biodynamics out there, but we're from the Demeter Australian Biodynamic Method, and I'm talking about this only. So if you've, we basically only use the practical farming methods, the ones that have been scientifically tested over the last 50 years by our farmers. If you look on Google, there's lots of different people joined Biodynamics and they have lots of different unusual ways. But if you want to check out the actual method that we use, go to www.biosoil.net.au and you'll see the actual method there. So Biodynamics was conceived by a man called Rudolf Steiner around 1926. And prior to that time, most farming was bio, uh, organic at least. But in the mid to late 1890s, water-soluble fertilizers were invented. And by 1926, some of the farmers were experiencing problems with that mainly with soil and cow health, similar to the problems that we were having. Now, Rudolf Steiner was a bit of a science guru at the time, if you like a olden day Steve Jobs, if, if you want to give him a label. And he didn't really want to enter the world of agriculture. He was busy with architecture. He was into spirituality and also education and he started the Waldorf schools. But some farmers twisted his arm and said, look, you've got to help us out with this problem. So he gave a lecture in 1924, which was the first ever organic farming movement. Now, around those times, Alex Podolinski was alive with his parents at the same time as Steiner, and he learnt the techniques and in the 1950s he came to Australia and shared his knowledge with us. My father saw a lecture of Alex in the early 1960s and biodynamics is a combination of techniques which I'll explain briefly. It's spraying out microbes under the soil, the main one is called 500 which I'll explain later. It's making compost with another series of preparations or microbes called 502 to 507. And basically these are cultures uh, of microorganisms to act as a mother for the soil or the compost heap. So if you can imagine uh, microbes like rennet in cheese, how it changes curd into, or milk into cheese, or similarly, uh, you know, yeast acts on bread. It's a similar sort of thing. We also do um, 
We spread our cow manure and manures on the pastures very thinly on the soil so that the microbes can eat it. We grow our crops and grasses long at the top so the root systems go deep into the soil. We dig up our soil when it's dry with uh, pines mainly so that it lets air and water in. And we also use the smallest equipment possible to prevent compaction. Now all these things are really designed to maintain soil microbiology and improve soil humus. So you're probably asking what the hell is soil humus? Well we all know what organic matter is. It's all the leaf matter, the manures, the root systems that are in the soil. And they decompose with the microbes. And there's sort of all sorts of things in that. And the substance is called organic matter. But when the microbes fully digest that, the bacteria and the fungi, fully digest that organic matter, and the stuff that comes out the back of them is humus. This is fully digested organic matter. It looks colloidy like um, dough, jelly-like buttery substance, but dark brown rich colour. So it's sort of like uh, the stuff that comes out the back of worms, a bit like a worm casting. So what is 500? Well, the spray that we put on the soil 500 is made from cow manure put into a cow horn which is buried in the soil over the winter. And it seems when you do that, put them in a pit over the winter time and then bring them up in springtime, the cow manure turns into a different substance altogether. It turns into a colloidy humus form and it smells quite sweet. And this basically is like a probiotic for soil. It's all the microorganisms necessary to add life to dead soils. Now, the idea behind the horn, I know it's an unusual container, but if we just put manure in a, in a heap, the microbes would move it all around the place and we wouldn't be able to extract it out again. So it's like a little house for the microbes to live in and it allows us to get it out in the springtime and use it. You may think, well, why don't you use a jar or a clay container? But that has been tried and it hasn't succeeded in the past. So I have noticed, though, when I have brought up the cow horns, that there is a fungus inside the horn itself. So I'm wondering if that may have something to do with the overall product. The word 500 refers to the amount of microbes in the substance. It refers to about 500 million microbes per gram. So that pretty much represents an abundance of microbiology in that substance. Now the other preparations we have are 501, which is a which is made out of quartz crystal 
finely ground into a powder and then put into water and spray it out into the leaves. And that acts like a refraction mechanism to increase light in the plant in the winter or in cloudy conditions. Used mainly in the northern hemisphere because it's less sun there, but we do use it in the wintertime. So it's a physical barrier that actually, when the light hits it, it refracts, like one beam might refract into four and increase the light to the plant. So it's got a real sciencey type nature, although it seems unusual. And we also use 502 to 507. Now these are basically another set of probiotics specially designed uh, to improve the cultures in a compost heap. So it's a bit like the rennet and cheese thing again, but for compost heap only. Now these are different microbes uh, captured in different ways and put with different herbs. So the microbes um, basically live on the herbs and then the substance coming out the back of them is a different nature to the 500. We use a compost heap that is static. It means it stays in the one place. We wet our materials well. We choose the right materials to put into the compost heap. And then we usually put it through a compost spreader or spread it lightly if done by hand. So it's light and fluffy and plenty of air gets in. And then we water it to cool it down if need be. And then once it's settled and the heat's dropped off, we cover it in uh, mulch and then let it sit for four to six months, depending on where it is and what are the makeup of the um, ingredients. So a static compost heap is one that you don't turn. We wait until that's about seven-eighths digested and then um, we put it out in the paddock. So how do we use the 500? Once it comes out of the horn, we put it into clay pots where it's stored. It must be kept moist, or otherwise the microbes die and they become irrelevant. So the 500 is put into a stirring machine in warm water at about 37 degrees Celsius. And it's mixed and stirred through a series of vortexes, which basically aerates the whole mix and enlivens the bacteria that are in the 500 out of the horn. <clears throat> then we place that within an hour after stirring into a spray tank and spray it out onto our farm. These are usually made of copper or stainless steel. And if you can imagine, we put out large droplets out of those machines. So the large droplets would contain probably thousands of microbe each. And um, that basically drops onto the soil and spreads onto the soil. The microbes dig their way in and make air pockets and, and pathways for new microbes to develop. So that's 500. Now how that works is, if you can imagine the microbes hitting the soil in the big droplet, they bury their way down into the soil, making holes. And it's a starter culture to develop more microbes and more fungi in association with the plant. So we usually do that when we've got a crop in or we're trying to break a crop down. And 
the plant, once the leaves are up, inject carbohydrates, protein and a few sugars into the soil around the root systems. And that's food for the microbes to take off and become active. So basically the microbes and the fungi eat at the old organic matter in the soil. Some of the fungi attach themselves to the sediment, the silt, the clay, and extract um, minerals from that into their biomass. And that's not really available to the plant at all. But then the larger microbes come along and eat the smaller ones in a predatory type system. For example, a worm will come and eat fungi and bacteria, and then the stuff coming out of the back of the worm is water-soluble nutrient available to the plant. Now these microbes contain a lot of nutrient but don't use up much. So the stuff coming out the back of them is very rich in all the trace elements and things that the plant needs. And the fungis will take in sugars and things from the plant in a, in, in, um, a symbiotic way. They will swap carbohydrate for minerals. So this, what we're doing is basically hap would happen in nature anyway, but we're sort of accelerating the process or enlivening a dead soil that is no longer active. So what happens is that the um, worms go through, eat everything up, spit out the humus out the back. So the organic matter is turned into humus and then the root systems attach themselves to the humus through a set of feeder roots on the side. So there's like these fine hair roots that the um, plant attaches to the feeder root, the humus, and then it drinks its water through the tap root, which go deeper into the soil. So the, basically the plant drinks water through the soil water, transpires that off, and that's how it sort of keeps its form. And then it feeds through a separate system called the feeder roots, which attaches itself to the humus. So the, what happens is the plant feeds correctly, assimilates the necessary nutrients that it wants in a balanced form. And it's not force fed through the water of the soil. So in a conventional situation when we used to be conventional farmers, we would add superphosphate, which was water soluble, and it would mix with the water and go up the taproot. And then when the plant wanted to drink, it was taking in water-soluble fertilizer and almost force-fed, if you like. If you're wondering what a feeder root looks like, go and dig up a carrot out of your garden, have a look at the fine hairy roots on the side. That's the, your feeder roots. But you probably won't see that at the supermarket as they've all been washed off. So using the, these methods, we are able to develop soil quite quickly. We can see in a year or two that the root systems go down deeper, the uh, soil gets darker, and the soil starts opening up. So that's the signs that the whole process is working. So that gives you a little bit about how biodynamics works. Uh, I might leave it here. If you have any questions about biodynamics, um, then you can email me at saveoursoil, one word, 
59 at gmail.com. Next time I might tell you exactly how I apply biodynamics to our vegetable farm so that you can see how it all works. But I hopefully, hopefully that you've got a little bit of more of an indication of how biodynamics actually works. But in the meantime, we'll um, talk to you on the next audio blog. Thanks for listening.